0: All right, everybody. Welcome back to the uh, Value Place podcast. i uh, got a few questions, so I kind of want to get to the answers here and uh, have, some, have a little discussion about it here. Um, let's get started. So let's get started with Glass House because there's a quite a few questions on that. Uh, people have a few questions on um buying shares of it and things like that i know uh, schwab has given people a real hard time uh i've purchased it on e-trade have no issues i know purple and interactive brokers have had new issues um i think the and i think maybe merrill might have given one some people some issues i think those are the big two that for whatever reason it's because of the exchange that is on it's on the neo exchange and this is a an overall pro problem with the industry right now, because it's not federally legal, uh, that you find a lot of these cannabis companies are trading on these smaller exchanges, um, which kind of inhibits liquidity in the stock. Um, it does make trading it a little more costly, uh, because some of these places are charging, you know, special commissions to buy it, which in, in my opinion is theft. They shouldn't be allowed to do that, but whatever they can, they do. Um, And and most of it's traded, you know, on the over the counter market. So you're doing limit orders and things like that. There's large bid ask spreads and things like that. So it adds some additional difficulty of purchasing shares. And that's part of the deal with the industry right now. It's part of the deal the industry is is dealing with. And that's another reason that holding these stocks until federal legalization comes. And it is coming, it's just a matter of time. I I think it might be two to four years away. Uh, Biden. Apparently is didn't waste any time going back on the, the campaign insinuations he made that he would legalize cannabis if elected. He really has no intention of doing it. I think unless forced to, so we'll see what happens with that. And I think Schumer's bill is just uh, Schumer. No, he doesn't have the votes. Um, he made promises, so now he wants to put up the legislation he put up, which isn't. It's barely a starting point. Um, so he can say, well, you know, we put legislation forward, and Republicans rejected it. You know, it really wasn't a uh, meaningful attempt at legalization, uh, nor was it a significant one in any way, shape, or form. I think, um, you know, Democrats campaigned on legalizing cannabis. He was seven months into the um, seven months into the new administration, over a year into the promises that he would make it an immediate priority to do this. He hadn't done anything because he doesn't have the votes in his own party even to do it. So I think he just puts something out there and it just takes the pressure off him to introduce a bill, right? He can sit back and say, I did it. Everyone else is being a pain in the ass, whatever. Um, But back to the exchanges, that's part of the issue with these stocks. Then when legalization does come, and these are on the NASDAQ or on the NYSE, uh, you will see dramatic differences in, in what happens with these stocks right now. They're very thinly traded. Even the big ones are very thinly traded right now. Um, and that whenever something is thinly traded, uh, it's a recipe for price swings and volatility and things like that. So, um, it makes it even more important the reasons behind we're buying these, not, you know, oh, I'm going to buy this because if Schumer's bill gets passed, the price is going to double. Well, if Schumer's bill doesn't pass, the price could get caught in half too. Uh, what you really need to understand is is what is this business going to do over the next three to five years? Um, because if it does well, no matter what happens with legalization, the stock's going to do well. If it does well, the stock will do well. You get legalization, the stock does really, really, really well. Um, so I think that's the way, kind of the, um, kind of the mindset you want to have going into these. You know, When we first purchased IIPR at $38 a share, I don't know what it's at now, 2-something last I saw uh, in case you notice, I don't check the stock prices every day. Uh, it, I, I, that is one thing that both Buffett and Munger have said uh, that I tend to religiously uh, adhere to. Because when I, the more you check your stock price, the more likely you are to do something you uh, regret down the road, in my opinion. So um, anyway, that's kind of a side story. But um, uh, you, we really want to make sure that we're buying businesses uh, that are good businesses not buying stock tickers that will benefit from some event, right? Um, Because we don't know the timing of that event, when it happens, is it gonna be an industry-wide wave or just specific names that go up? And if it doesn't happen, what happens to the stock? And if the only reason you're buying a stock is because you think an event's gonna happen um, that is not directly related to that stock, right? Um, You know, GGP, we wanted that bankruptcy. We wanted that to happen. So that was a different story than, um, you know, uh, in this case, federal legalization and cannabis. Uh, it will help the industry, but not all stocks equally, right? So um, I think buying stocks, and a lot of people are just gobbling up cannabis names right now, um, just in under that illusion that, you know, when legalization comes, every stock double, triples, or quadruples in the space. And I don't believe that's going to be the case. If it is, great, good for everyone. I'm, I'm happy for everybody. But I want to own stocks and businesses that if legalization doesn't come for four or five or six years, for whatever reason, that that business is still going to be a very good business and the stock price is still going to go up anyway that was the reason i bought glass house so um uh let me let me get to some of the um uh, first one they had a couple i apologize because i had them all labeled and then i i don't know what i did so um here's a here's a quick so so going back to glass house uh, Glasshouse will close the deal on the um, greenhouse. It's just a matter of time. Um, they're getting the financing finalized for the merger they just did. They're making some hires. They're gonna they're gonna acquire that greenhouse. It's in escrow. It'll clear. It'll pass. They will they will own that. And they will be the largest cultivator on the West Coast and one of the lowest cost cultivators, most importantly on the West Coast because when legalization happens and eventually when cannabis is able to go across state lines um it's going to be an agricultural product right just like tomatoes watermelons carrots whatever the best quality at the lowest price is going to be the dominant brand and uh you know if you can have a if you can have six million square feet of greenhouse space in southern california you're going to be one of the lowest cost producers So if you can produce a quality product, which management has a history of producing very high quality product, then that is going to be a win. When you have dispensaries that are very nice dispensaries, very well located and very well supplied because you are one of the largest cannabis producers in the world at that point, um, your cost of your dispensaries is going to be well below what everyone else is paying. So you're going to have a very profitable operation, and I do believe that's what Glass House is going to eventually turn into. So um, the recent stock price fluctuations, I have zero concern whatsoever. Um, do I know if they're gonna go lower or higher? No, I don't know, nobody does. Um, but the industry does tend to trade, well, except IIPR, the ind- industry does tend to trade in lockstep um, depending on the news flow. And right now the news flow for cannabis, isn't that great? Um, you know, Schumer introduced the bill, as I said before. It was a non-starter to begin with. It's basically dead in Congress. Everyone knows it's dead. Um, you know, we'll keep talking about it. and Politicians will keep talking about it when they need a soundbite. Um, when they haven't in the news long enough, they'll make some proclamation about cannabis because they know it'll get big coverage and get written up all over the place. So they'll continue to play those games with it in public while doing absolutely nothing behind the scenes. Um, that's... The way congress has been going on this so far so i don't expect them to do anything different so that being said follow the results at Glasshouse. okay these are now this is going to be the first full quarter after the merger was completely and signed off on so you know year-over-year comparisons aren't going to be very valid uh you're just looking really for the the metrics of the businesses not year-over-year comparisons you know not you know, analyst estimates and any that kind of garbage. We'll just look into what the business is doing, what steps they're taking, what have they done? uh, What hires have they made? And that's how we're gonna judge holding on to the stock or not. Um, I I don't intend on selling this anytime soon. Uh, The CEO is a fantastic CEO. Uh, The group that backed them that we originally invested in, uh, they are also big holders of AYR, which is one of the most successful uh, SPACs turned into uh, cannabis companies out there—they're doing a fantastic job on the East Coast right now. Uh, so it, there's no reason to expect that uh, both this CEO, who's run a highly successful business in California, and Ayr are suddenly going to turn incredibly stupid overnight and do a bunch of dumb things that ruin that business. Um, you know, based on their historical results, what they've done. Um, you know, if they if they come near that again, this is going to be a tremendous, tremendous investment. So I'm I'm highly confident. Uh, in this investment in the long term uh, when we get price fluctuations and people feel like they're panicking honestly that's when I w- I'm gonna want to buy more shares so I have no problem buying the warrants at the current levels or even buying the shares at this point at the current levels are getting pretty low um, it just I think it's just great upside down the road so uh, I'm not overly concerned about it and I, I do love the company I love management so I'm, I'm very positive on that one um, here's a question. Have you looked at China stocks? Some of them, especially Baba and Jade, look particularly attractive. Um, I honestly do not want to be invested in any stock in China right now. Uh, the Chinese government is arbitrarily doing things right now um, that um, can be very detrimental to the stocks in that country. I think I read this morning about a trillion dollars has been wiped off the market caps of Chinese stocks since they've started this. They've outlawed Bitcoin in their country and they've done some other things with the tech sector. Um, Remember, any Chinese company at any given time can be taken over by the Chinese government and there's nothing the company can do about it. Always keep that in the back of your mind. You know, property rights in China are not what they are in the U.S. Um, I, uh, yeah, I don't want to be invested in China. I think things look attractive in China. Um, because valuations are squashed because people are genuinely scared. Uh, Now, if you have a U.S. company that has a division in China, clearly a different story. But a Chinese company doing its business in China, listed on the Chinese exchanges, just has ADRs over here. I want nothing to do with it. Um, You know, I would not be the least bit surprised to wake up in two months and say, oh, the Chinese government's taking over Alibaba because they want to compete with Amazon directly or something like that. Uh, that would be no shock to me at all. Um, so because of that, I have, I have no interest in them. To me, it's just too much, too much, you know, too much risk from the government. Um, what is your sense on inflation? If you agree that inflation is coming, are there any measures you are taking to combat it? So I think inflation is here. Um, I think anybody who, is, um, who lives in a home, bought a home, if you're in the suburbs, maybe not the cities, if you're in the suburbs... Rents are exploding because everyone's living out of the cities into the suburbs. So if you rent, your rent's gone up. Your food has gone up. If you bought a car, it's gone up. If you've flown, driven the subway, prices are not, places for flying are not what they were a year and a half ago right now. Uh, coming out of COVID, they were cheap. I mean, during COVID, they were cheap. They're not cheap anymore. Uh, hotels, not cheap anymore. So inflation is here. Um, you know, my take is it's, you know, because of the things they exclude <laughs> from, uh, um, from the inflation measures, I don't believe the inflation, the headline inflation we get, is actually a very realistic or accurate measure. You know, gasoline, gasoline's gone from little over two to in some places three fifty four dollars a gallon. Uh, so inflation is here. Inflation's here. Oil prices have gone up. Natural gas prices have gone up. Uh, you know. So, I guess there's no inflation as long as you don't use energy or any, in any way to heat your home, to cool your home, or to get anywhere. Don't buy food, haven't bought a house in the last year, or looking to rent a house in the suburbs. Uh, I, I guess clothing might be cheaper. Other than that, you know, everything's higher, in many cases, significantly higher. So, what are you taking to combat it? Well, I think, honestly, I think the portfolio is pretty much already set up to take advantage of it for lack of a better word you know energy prices are are, are rocketing higher so that's helped tpl that will help K- kinder morgan and that will help williams because high energy prices mean what more drilling more drilling means what more gas and oil got out the pipelines that means that means more revenues for kinder morgan and williams um you know what does the government do to combat runaway inflation they have to raise interest rates well that will help Bank of America. That will help the finance companies that we own. So, I mean, we're already, you know, fairly well set up for it. Even if you look at, you know, Howard Hughes, um, you know, their, their asset prices are rising. Their home prices are rising. They're selling homes at higher prices than they were a year ago. So inflation is helping them out on many levels too. Um, so I don't think you need to really have a fundamental um makeover for your portfolio because inflation's coming now you know there's the flip side right if if you start getting you know eight nine ten percent inflation we got to go through a late 70s early 80s things like volcker you know people are paying 11 percent for mortgages on houses right and they weren't batting an eyelash to it plus playing points right i mean that was what lending used to be uh not three and a half percent interest rates with no points for 30 years um, you know, if we start seeing a situation like that, then, you know, uh, you know, any retail stock that you have, you know, retailers are not going to do well. The first things people start cutting out when prices start rising significantly, you know, they wear clothes a little longer. They'll forego that new car purchase for another year because car prices are going up and things like that. Um, you know, those are the sectors that I'd want to stay away from. Um, but, you know, tech stocks, you know i don't see them being hugely hurt by inflation in fact i think some tech stocks could do very well right anything that helps reduce costs and reduce friction in transactions i think could do well in a highly inflationary environment because people are looking to save money wherever they can um you know i think amazon look being thought of or walmart being thought of as the low price places are going to be places people flock to shop first so they should do well in an environment like that but you know i'm not doing anything Insane, like loading up on, you know, treasury, uh, inflation protected securities or any bonds or things like that, expecting interest rates to go dramatically higher. I like the portfolio we have. I think the cannabis space is, you know, completely immune to inflation and was immune to. It's been immune to it so far. Uh, it was immune to COVID it's been immune to the countless regulations of every state so I'm not concerned inflation is gonna hurt cannabis Um, so I guess that's where I'm at I like the portfolio where it is I like the companies that we're invested in and I don't see too many of them really suffering because of inflation we don't really have any clothing brands in the portfolio so I I think it's okay you know Um, I wouldn't be in the market to buy a house right now myself (laughs) but uh, you know, if you're asking about personal finance and things like that, but, um, yeah. So, uh, the market seems to be richly valued. Uh, if a new mom and pop investor, say your aunt, who doesn't know much about investing, comes to you with twenty thousand dollars to invest, what advice will you give this person? Well, that's a fascinating question. Um. I do agree that the market is richly valued. I wouldn't call it a bubble, I wouldn't call it a lot. I would call it a aid-assisted, right, market highs. Maybe that's what we would call them. You know, the government pumped a couple trillion dollars into the system. Um, It's gotta go someplace, and it looks like it's going into stock market and Bitcoin and other, you know, cryptos, things like that. So um, that's a really interesting question. Given the market, I I guess it would depend on my aunt's age right? Um, You know, if it was, if she was my aunt's, if my aunt was in her 80s, which my aunt is in her 80s, I would just have her buying bonds, right? I mean, you want liquidity. You want your principal coming back. You don't want to, you know, you're happy with three to 4% corporate interest or something like that. Can't afford a 30, 40% drawdown. Um, so I, I think that's what I would recommend right now. If my aunt was in her 20s and she has 60 years of investing and knows nothing about it whatsoever, I would have her take Buffett's advice and buy an S&P index fund. You're going to earn 2 to 3% interest every year. You're going to do as good as the market does over the next 30, 40 years. And I'm not one of those who thinks that you know the market's in for a decade of malaise and things like that. Uh, will we have a recession yes will we have a bear market yes will they be deeper and longer than ever before probably not um so i do think over that time period if someone knows nothing about investing i mean absolutely nothing then that's the safest place for them to have their money right um they don't have to worry about management risk or specific risk or things like that it's just basically following the u.s economy at that point um so i I think that would be my advice if the person was in their forties and fifties, and uh, maybe had a little bit of investing experience and had done bought some stocks or bonds in the past, but not a lot, um, then you know I, I've always felt and I will always believe that, uh, people know more about investing than they think they do, right? Typically, and I've had these conversations with people. Like, I don't know any companies. I don't know. This or that. I'm like, well. What are the products or brands that you use every day that you think everyone else is going to use every day and that you're probably going to be using every day for the next 5 to 10 to 15 years? And give, tell them, take five minutes to think about it. Come back with three names. And and I literally just did this about two weeks ago to somebody. And the people came back with Amazon, Apple, and and they'd like to know more about cannabis and i think they just said that cuz they know what i do um, but is anyone going to argue about owning apple or amazon for the next 10-15 years i'm not gonna right those are those are not bad ideas and if that person and i said to that person like would you have answered the question the same way 10 years ago in 2012 they're like yeah absolutely and i'm like well you would have doubled or tripled your money over the last decade So, you know, I've always operated on the assumption that most people aren't really all that different than everyone else. If there's brands that you and your friends always use, and there's the businesses that you and your friends rely on to do things, those are generally decent investments over time. In any given year, it's going to be any given year, but if you're talking to 10 to 15 years if you look at the brands you're using every single day and you're happy with those brands and those brands are becoming a larger part of your life, right? You may like a brand of clothing that you don't buy that much anymore because they just don't make the same kind of clothes like they used to. But you don't throw the old ones away because you love the way they fit and you like them. That's really not a brand you want to invest in because that's a diminishing brand, right? But if the brand is, is growing in your life and growing in your friend's life and like Amazon and Apple both are, um... You know, or if you're a Bank of America customer and you love Bank of America and then own Bank of America bank stock. It's been a great investment the last decade, right? It's been an amazing investment. I think it's, I think we're up almost 500% in the damn thing in the last, in the last decade. Nothing's wrong with that, right? That's a great investment. Um... I I truly believe that. So that's what I would tell that person. And then if they wanted help with cannabis names, I would offer the help. And I did. And I made some suggestions. And yes, it's the two companies we both own. You know, I said, this one is, this is IIPR. It doesn't touch the plant. pays a nice fat dividend that grows. It's a REIT. This one is an actual cannabis company. And, you know, it has tremendous possible upside if you buy these warrants this way. And these are the risks, whatever. Um, It's kind of weird, though, saying, you know, I think... I think I looked yesterday. We're up about five hundred and sixty percent in our first IIPR trades. It's it's kind of weird to say that this other company has could have potentially more upside. It's kind of weird to say that, um, but I mean we'll see what happens down the road. But um, I, I guess that would be the advice I would give. You know, I, I don't typically, um, I don't typically have opinions or state these kind of opinions. But I think we kind of covered the array of investors and things like that. Um, and what they should or should not do because everyone's specific circumstances are, are, are different, right? And their goals of investing are, are different and, you know, so you can't have... I don't like when people have these one-size-fits-all rules because they don't fit all rules and a lot of people get hurt by following one size fit all rules. You have, How many times have you heard sell in May, go away? Uh, I don't think that's been a smart strategy for almost a decade now but you still heard it this May. Um, right, and the market just keeps climbing higher this summer, so how many people sold in Maine, wish they hadn't right now and they were successful investors they got a nice fat tax bill coming next year because they sold and they're missing out on more gains, so um, I guess that would be, I guess that would be the answer that I would give to that that person Uh, Dennis, thanks again for all the work you do I've learned a ton from your work, very kind, Uh, thank you very, very much, I do appreciate that um let me see 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 what we got here uh glasshouse brands um is the purchase of the socal greenhouse imminent was there material risk of the transaction not closing i believe there's very very little risk of the transaction not folding i'm sorry not closing uh there was actually just an article i'll post it on the website uh the the tomato company that works there is winding down operations laying off people glass house has committed to rehiring a lot of those people uh so i think right now the process is simply waiting for the current lease to expire to for the tomato company to vacate the premises before the sale goes through um but they are in in the process of winding down their operations right now so i don't think there's material risk i think there's a minute risk right now i think right now the risk is just timing not completion um just wondering what means it's the bigger picture it's a stock I warrant P- yeah, but I think that if you look across the cannabis space in general um, other than IPR stocks have been coming down that's because of the the stocks were going up because of the um, optimism around the Schumer bill, and then when people saw it and read it, I think that optimism evaporated pretty quick, and uh, some of the stock prices have started to fall again, but I don't think there's any um, significant risk whatsoever to uh that that not um that not closing um another one said um been a steady decline in glass house can you shed any light haven't found any news so i think i just answered that question uh i think it's you know overall news um um, about the industry and, and the bill schumer filed not really having anything at all to do with um uh, the actual company or results so uh, i'm still very very positive on the company at all uh can you please give some insight on tpl yeah so uh you know tpl reported and you know i said at the time i said you know that it's a 11 billion billion dollar company and they have a 25 million dollar stock buyback which yeah, it's it's better than nothing, but it's just a little bit better than nothing, right? I mean, twenty five million dollars out of of eleven billion dollar company. I mean, that's not even that you know, you don't even have it, don't even begin to have any conversations on that being a needle mover in any way, shape, or form, because uh, it's just not. <laughs> it's not going to do anything. It's more of a oh jeez. It's more of a. Um, and we want to have a buyback in our press release, so let's like we're buying back our stock for the PR, not for the actual effect it's going to have on the stock price. But I do think, and I did say this when I posted about earnings, I do think that um, having Horizon present, having Horizon on the board, um, I would be very surprised if we did not see uh, that buyback. And Horizon is the largest outside investor. Uh, so they have every incentive to reduce the share count. Um, You know, it's the Berkshire model, right? Get in there, buy back all the shares. You're the largest shareholder. You make the most money. So I do think that that's what Horizon's going to do here. Um, You know, given Murray Stahl's uh, obvious and clear affection for the company and for its future and its potential, I could seriously see him, um, you know, using those capital allocation skills to get a serious buyback going. Uh, in future quarters. And, you know, this is only the first quarter or two since everything got redone. So people are still settling in, you know, longer-term plans, longer-term plans with new management are being developed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I do think you will see a significantly higher number when it comes to that buyback in future years. Um, I do, I do, I think so. So, um, you know, the stock price is going to fluctuate with oil, I'm obviously guessing, but, um, you know we have a really weird situation in the u.s when it comes to oil right now we have the saudi arabia of oil in texas um, but a significant portion of that the permian basin uh, just got closed to new federal drilling permits we also have a moratorium on any significant pipeline so you have a country that has what it needs that's, that's the frustrating part. We have what we need in the U.S. to supply ourselves with oil and become a net exporter. We nearly got there. We are a net exporter, I believe, of natural gas. We were very close in oil a couple of years ago uh, before COVID. Uh, but now we're asking for the Saudis to increase oil production, to drive prices down. We have the ability to do that in the U.S., and we're just refusing to. So we're going to rely on the Saudis, which... You know, historically, has not been in our best interests. Um, I, I I'll never get the logic behind that. Um, but okay, so what does that mean? Well, it means that those companies that are shipping oil, right? Because we're not we are not going to build at least for the next I want to say the next decade, right? Because even if even if the moratorium on drilling on federal lands or pipelines crossing areas or pipeline this pipeline that even if that was all lifted tomorrow, by the time you go through the planning, permitting project, construction phase, you're talking four or five years before a significant pipeline is built, okay? And that's if this all happened tomorrow. You can pretty much guarantee it's not going to happen for the next three years, right? You know, the only, Biden's not, he's clear what Biden's going to do. He is not going to change course on this. So if at least for the next three years, those bans are going to be in place, which means other than small pipeline expansions, and I mean small, right? Feeder lines and things like that. You're not gonna have any new pipelines of any significance built in the US. this means the transportation infrastructure we have for pipelines, we have for pipelines for natural gas and oil, is gonna be what's gonna be for the next seven to eight years. Well, we know energy demand grows, so they are gonna have more gas coming through those pipelines, more oil coming through those pipelines because of demand and for export demand they're gonna command higher prices to transport it, period. Yes, you can put it on train, train is multiples of the price that um, pipelines are, and trucks and tanker trucks are even multiples of that. So those are not economically advantageous alternatives to pipelines, and in fact, they're more filthy. You have trains that are diesel, you have trucks that are diesel, transporting roving bombs across the US that just gets pushed through a pipeline you know, it's the environmentalists drive me crazy with our hypocrisy sometimes, and the, the energy space is just rife with it. It's just, you know, no more pipelines, which are the most environmentally friendly and the safest way to transport these goods. So they're gonna force it onto the roads and the rails, which is the least safe and the most dangerous and the most costly. Those costs get passed on to people. Don't, don't delude yourself for one second that if we raise prices on an industry, those prices are not passed through somehow, some way to the consumer. They are. So the consumer pays a higher price for a product that's more filthy to transport than they want, to, they want us to transport it. Makes no sense. Now we're telling the Saudis to pump more oil. And if any, if any environmentalist thinks the Saudis are pumping, transporting, and doing anything with oil on a more environmentally friendly way than they are in the US, you are delusional. Delusional. So in this case, those those policies and those actions by those groups make the planet less safe and more dirty. Kudos, congratulations. Way to think it through. You also have to switch over. They want to use electric now. No more new gas in homes. Electric. Can anyone tell me the number one source of electricity production in the U.S.? Natural gas. Number two, coal. If. The cost of electricity keeps going higher. They, there will be more coal plants in the U.S. So no, I won't have natural gas in my home or new people building homes won't have natural gas in their homes. But the electricity they have, it will be being produced by additional coal plants, which are filthy, and it will require more natural gas to do that. It. I could go on for eight weeks, and I won't do it, uh, about how none of this stuff makes any sense. Um, But that's where we are when it comes to that. Um, TPL is the largest landlord of oil land in the Permian Basin. The second part of the Permian Basin was in New Mexico. It's all on federal lands. There'll be no new no drilling there. So for TPL, that's great news. Because all that drilling was gonna take place in New Mexico, it's gotta move into Texas now. And if you look at the map of TPL's holdings along the New Mexico border, they basically own all of the land that borders New Mexico and Texas. That's where their holdings are. Uh, so all of those people who want to drill in the Permian which is the largest oil deposit in the U.S. and they're saying now it might be the largest in the world um, they got to go to TPL land in Texas so um, TPL looks good for a while you know I mean it's not a forever holding um, but you know for the next for the next few years, um, I don't see, I put it this way, if you look at what's happened in the last eight months, right, with the regulatory stuff and stuff coming from the government, the federal government, I think it's pretty safe to say that if anything happens, we get more of that um, and and all those things do is eliminate competition, create much higher barriers to entry and entrenched those already with dominant positions in the space, right? If you were a new pipeline company starting up right now, forget it. You're screwed, right? You're, you're not going to build any pipeline of any significance intrastate, right? Now, you might be able to build a 1,000-mile pipeline in Texas, but you ain't going to build one in California. You ain't going to build it in the Northeast. You're not going to build one that crosses three states. You're just not going to do it. You're not going to be able to do it. So competition for companies like Kinder Morgan and Williams, that was a huge blow. Other than the existing competitors, and it's probably just going to spur more M&A in the space, right? And Kinder Morgan wants to add 10,000 miles of pipeline, they're probably not going to be able to build it. They're probably going to have to go buy it. So we'll see. I mean, my dream would be a Kinder Morgan and Williams merger, uh, but I don't think it'll ever happen. I think the antitrust regulators would lose their mind. I mean, between the two of them, we touch roughly 60 to 70% of the natural gas in the US. Um, Transport it, you know, process it, things like that, the various entities that they both have. Uh, So I don't see a scenario where um, regulators allow that, although it would be really nice to see. You know maybe merge and merge your merge the southern east coast and sell the california and the far west assets to appease the regulators that's the whole part of the country and operate in but to be honest that part of the country is such a pain in the ass for engine comes to operate anyway let someone else deal with the headache it's i mean it would it would be pretty cool um but again it's i, I i'd say it's probably on the um i'd say it's probably on the highly unlikely side of the equation right now so unfortunately that's that's where we are with that um let me see if i have any other um questions real quick question iipr um yeah so it's just so this is the interesting thing so i have been saying that cannabis stocks tend to trade in conjunction with each other except iipr uh and it is interesting that IIPR tends to trade um, the opposite of the news, right? So if news about legalization comes, the theory is that IIPR is going to have their uh, operating environment severely hurt because all the banks are going to now start lending to cannabis companies. And, um, uh, And then when the bill gets held up or the bill is filed and people realize it's junk... It starts trading back up again the rest of the cannabis stocks trade down um, I am not I don't share the opinion that uh, legalization is bad for um, IIPR. Um, if anyone has spoken to anybody at any of the major banks um, I don't care if legalization comes tomorrow or a month from now Bank of America City JP Morgan Wells Fargo the old big banks they're not getting into cannabis anytime soon. They're not. Um, they're just, they just aren't going to. And even the bill that was filed, or even the Moore Act in the, the, the Safe Banking Act, they are, not, they are not going to get into cannabis until cannabis is treated like a normal agricultural product. They're too conservative, they just don't got to take any risks. Now, some of your smaller regional banks are getting into it and are lending for real estate. Uh, They're not making loans directly to cannabis companies, uh, but they are doing some real estate lending. Uh, But they're small-scale. They're small-scale. And here's the difference that people aren't talking about and don't get. If if, If I have a building and I want to refit that building for cannabis, I can get a loan based on the appraised value of the building. That will not cover my build out. That will not cover what it costs to put a, a grow facility in a building, okay? If I want to build a cultivation, I need generally, t- call it 20 to $30 million, That's what we generally need for an indoor cultivation of any meaningful size whatsoever. No bank is gonna lend $30 million to build that facility. They just aren't. They will buy, They will. they will loan you money to buy the building but they're not going to pay for your build-out. What IIPR does is pays for that build-out. They give you the money for the building. They buy the building back. They give you the money to build it out. So that when you do business with IPR, it's a one-stop shop. When you're done doing business with them, it's because you have an open open running function cultivation facility. And they pay for the build-out. Tenant improvements. They allot X amount of tenant improvements for it. Okay, Banks aren't doing that nor are they going to, anytime soon. So I, I you know, Yeah, you know, people want to talk about safe bank, act okay, great. Until it's completely federal legal and descheduled by the DEA, the big banks are not gonna get into it. I, I've spoken to too many people there and, you know, try and get anyone you know that works for Bank of America or any of the major banks to even invest in cannabis. They can't do it. The banks forbid it. So, you know, I, 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 I can see myself holding this stock for a number of number of years, and I do believe it's going to be uh, the next ten bagger in the portfolio. Um, I mean, well, GGP was a forty bagger, but whatever. Um, you know, it's neck and neck with Bank of America right now, uh, but I think it's got a faster growth trajectory. Uh, more open space. It's really the only major player in the market at all right now um, doing what they're doing, which really shocks me while no one else has tried to do this. But I honestly think that, you know, people in the REIT space kind of believe the whole safe banking illegality thing and what's going to happen. And uh, there's been no indication that anyone I've spoken to at any of the major banks, and it's going to change anytime soon. Um, and if that's the case, you know, you know, your local credit union, isn't going to loan out 200 million dollars to cannabis companies to build cultivations in the state they just aren't going to do it they're not going to maybe one maybe 10 million dollars for one maybe that's how they dip their toe in the space and see how it works out four or five years later um but you're not going to see it you know it's a specialty read And what i loved about iapr they started is the the management team ran biomet which is a specialty read very specialty rate in a highly regulated space which is really what cannabis is, and they did a great job with that. And exited, I think, after seven or eight years, they exited that thing, um, and investors did fantastic in it. Um, great management. They found a the blue ocean of opportunity. They're taking advantage of it, and I don't see any reason to think no matter what happens with legalization. And I'll be honest, I my my prediction for the earliest legal legalization is before the election next year, the midterms. If it looks like the Democrats might lose the House or the Senate in the midterms next year, I think this will be a pawn that they play. Make people stand up and vote, right? Make those Democrats who don't want to vote for it, vote either way. Make those Republicans who don't want to vote for it, vote either way. And there are some Republicans who do want cannabis legalized, who, 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 are, who read the data, see what it's doing, and can and understand the plant, um, the problem is Congress is filled with geriatrics uh, who still believe it's a gateway drug or still believe that, oh, geez, people smoke pot and they go crazy and go on killing sprees. No, they don't. They go fucking order pizza and take a nap and watch a movie. Um, anyway, sorry. Um, uh, so that's the earliest. You know, If it looks like the Democrats are going to sleep the House and the Senate again, um, I don't think we see it until the next election. I honestly don't. So, um, and even at that, if we do, given Biden's, um, his press secretarys come right and said, he's not for legalization. I think even if we do get something that we vote on next year, it's gonna be such a watered-down version of a legalization bill, that it really is gonna be a, um, a uh, ceremonial thing more than actually anything actually effectively has any sort of serious change to it. So, um, don't get too optimistic. Uh, on that front and then don't so by the same token don't get too pessimistic on a company like IIPR every time you hear legalization there's a bunch of articles that come out and say oh they're going to get trashed they're going to get buried and the stock just keeps grinding higher so I think um, you know look at the operating results you know they're in year four now and they're still producing 100% year-over-year growth for a REIT think about it for a REIT we're not. We're not talking about a tech company with a novel idea. This is a freaking reit. They own buildings. I mean, they have assets. It's just, but it's fine. You know, let let people keep undervaluing it. Let people keep writing those stories, and it'll just keep grinding higher. And when people finally catch on, it's gonna, it's gonna take off. So, um, even more than it has now. So, um, that's where I am with that. I think that's all the questions I got. Uh, again, if you have, uh, yeah, that's it. So if you do have questions, please feel free to send them. I love so much more getting questions to answer um, than I do um, just trying to um, figure out what people want to hear me talk about and talking because I never feel like I'm hitting the right thing. So uh, thanks again. Send me your questions. Uh, love answering them. And uh, I'm happy to do so. so. Uh, hope everyone has a fantastic and safe week. Uh, it's, uh, what day is it? It's Monday the 16th. I'll get this posted today. And um, again, any questions based on the podcast, please send them on. I'm happy to answer next time. Bye, everybody.